Welcome to season two of the Connect FCS Ed podcast. Each episode is geared towards recruiting, supporting, and retaining past, current, and future professional family and consumer sciences educators. I am your host, Barbara Scully, and I want to boldly celebrate families and careers with you. Hi, and welcome back to the Connect FCS Ed podcast. I'm your host, Barb Scully. I am really excited to have back on the cast, teacher, entrepreneur, and now author, Rob Phelan. Here on the pod, we are celebrating Financial Literacy Month as it is April. And April has been dedicated as Financial Literacy Month. So go out there and wish your friends and colleagues a happy Financial Literacy Month. Your educator friends might know what you're talking about, but maybe not the general public. So get out there and advocate. If you want to listen to Rob's previous episode on the Connect FCS Ed, check out episode 53 in our early podcast series. So a little bit about Rob. Rob Phelan is a high school personal finance teacher in Maryland, where he lives with his wife and son. Rob is a certified financial educator instructor and owner of The Simple Startup, where he guides 10 to 18-year-old entrepreneurs through starting their first businesses. He is also creator of the Choose FI Foundation Pre-K through 12 Personal Finance Curriculum, which was created to help our youth learn about money from the ground up. Rob recently wrote a children's story, M is for Money, and released in 2021, sharing a fun and interactive way to explore beginning literacy and basic money concepts following the standard ABC book setup, where each page focuses on a letter of the alphabet and money concept defined by the word. Outside of the classroom, Rob is a super advocate for financial education for kids and is very active in the community and on social media sharing information for parents, caregivers, and educators, and business leaders they can all use to help the youth in their lives learn about money. So I'm super excited to have Rob back on the cast. So let's dive in. Rob, really glad to have you on, and thank you for taking the time. Barbara, thank you so much for having me back. It's always um, nice when I get invited back to a podcast. It means that something went right the first time, and it's worth coming back again. So thank you so much. And yeah, it's it's Financial Literacy Month. It's an exciting time. It is. It is. It's a lot of fun and just kind of getting kids excited for their financial futures, right? Yeah. I mean, I've been asked that before, like, okay, Financial Literacy Month, what's that about? And it's about, yes, financial literacy is a thing. We kind of, I think we know that money is a thing. I think most of us are aware that money exists in our lives. So it's not about just like bringing attention to the fact that money is there. It's that most Americans, like adults, are not able to manage their finances as based off of a financial literacy test. So like if we assessed the entire population of the US, we would probably find about a little over under half of us can actually manage our finances well, according to this national study that was done. And when you rank us across the world, we are not number one, despite our citizens handling more money per citizen than most other countries in the world. So we've got more, but we don't necessarily use it to the best of our ability. So that's what this month is about. It's about drawing attention to the fact that there is a thing called financial literacy where we can learn how to use money well, use it responsibly, and do it to allow us to have 
a greater level of happiness, I feel like is what it's all about. So more control, more autonomy over our time and increasing our happiness levels because we're reducing the amount of stress in our lives that comes from money. Absolutely. Well, I just know we all can mention that we have our own personal stories when it comes to our personal finances. Some we have great stories and then some you have a story that you learned through unfortunate events. And that is always, I think that those are the personal testimonies right there of going, okay, this is what I learned. Now take on my wisdom and don't do the same thing. Yeah. And every adult, you had a financial education as a kid um, through what you saw, what you were told and what you did. So as parents or as teachers, when we are thinking about how do we educate our kids about money, we think about that. Well, what are we demonstrating ourselves? What are we showing? What are we modeling? And then what are we saying? Are we giving formal lessons? How are we describing out loud our relationship with money? So is money something that causes a lot of stress, anxiety, sadness, embarrassment, um, fear, Or is it something that we describe with a lot of positive words? Our kids are hearing all of these things. And the last one is what we do. What experiences are you giving your kids? So are you involving them in things like budgeting or going shopping or going to the bank or thinking about how you're going to spend your money effectively? Those are are the other things. So as teachers, as parents, we can control all three of those and try and help shape how kids experience money and develop a relationship with money. Yes. I know from my own personal experience, being a mom and raising four feral children, as I lovingly say, that between my husband and I, my husband is extremely money wise and savvy when it comes to handling our personal finances. Not to say that I'm not involved. I'm very, very hands-on and involved, but it was, it was through the Dave Ramsey program that we first kind of got a handle on our own personal finances early on in our marriage. Um, And we were both, we were young when we got married at 23, 25 years old. And then we had a child pretty much right out the gates. So learning how to balance our finances, as well as being new parents, it was, it was challenging, but through that, you know, yes, we had our pitfalls, but through that and going through the Dave Ramsey program, and by no means is this a plug for Dave Ramsey, but going through that, discovering the the envelope system, uh, and then getting really involved in uh, stock market exchanges and stuff like that, um, we finally figured out how to balance life and our wants versus needs. So now with having young or older, older kids, because we were so, uh, not to say strict is the term, but we were always analyzing all of our wants versus needs when our kids were really young. They now have kind of this fear of, oh my gosh, this is, this is a lot of money. This costs a lot of money. So maybe we shouldn't do that. It's like, well, let's, let, let's look at uh, shoes for an example. My 15-year-old daughter, she has plantar fasciitis. Unfortunately, she got her, her daddy's feet. And so she has plantar fasciitis and her feet hurt. And she's also type 1 diabetic. And so 
insurance. She always, she always mentions that she's uh, the expensive child. Yes, she is, but she's worth it. But she has the plantar fasciitis. She has high insurance for medical needs for being type one diabetic. So she is always constantly afraid of asking for kind of those nicer things, shoes. She's like, I don't want you to spend more money on shoes. Let's just, I can make do. And it's like, no, these are your feet. You're going to have feet for the rest of your life. So we are going to invest into high quality shoes that are going to meet the needs for your feet uh, for right now. And that's, and that's okay. And she's always like, she's fearful of, oh my gosh, well, then something's going to happen that we're not going to have this. It's like, no, it's okay, honey. (laughs) So those wants and needs, but also being, having a good mix of what I wished I would have known when we're, when the kids were younger was not putting that, that high amount of stress on them, which I didn't realize I was doing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it comes down to that message that we're sending out the conversations we're having. So clearly your kids knew that we have some intentionality about how we use our money. There is a plan, there's an allocation for it. And I think that your daughter's feelings are something that's very common in anyone who has any sort of chronic health condition, um, particularly if they're part of a family that they might feel like they're becoming a bit of a burden in terms of finances or attention or um, not pulling their weight in quotation marks. Um, I hope you all (laughs) hear my quotation marks in that. Um, And we have to make that okay for them that like, no, this is something that is a need. So that's a need that gets priority. And then once we, we talk about it, Um, And we make sure that our wants align with our values and what makes us happy. And then we choose to spend money on those because that's what this is all about. It's about creating a life that allows you to cover your needs without stress and then bring lots of wants in that bring you value while still also allowing you to build for your financial future. So if we can balance all of those things, we are on a great path. And I think if we can communicate that to our kids, it makes every purchasing decision, a conversation, but not one that we need to be, maybe be fearful or embarrassed about. And that's, that's a, that's a hard act to get right. And our son, my, our, our son is only uh, two and a half years old. So we haven't gotten to that point yet. And we know it's going to be an interesting one to try and navigate once we do. Yes. Well, it's, I think you're on the right track just because you have created this and developed and written this beautiful children's book, Emma's for Money. Because I know you are a math and personal finance teacher, what inspired you to write this book? I guess I got into personal finance about six years ago. Uh, My school asked me to teach this class that was like a math personal finance hybrid. My wife at the time, we were dating, we just moved in together. She was the one who was the money person in our house. And through our conversations, it became clear that I needed to learn more about money as well to become more of an equal partner in our decision-making. And like we talk about with couples all the time, like we want to make sure that everyone is a a knowledgeable participant in the finances of the house. You don't necessarily have to split all the duties 50-50, but it's like you said, like your husband may be a very strong money character in your household, but you are fully aware of what's going on and you are able to participate in that. So you are not a dependent upon his financial knowledge. And I needed to balance that in our relationship too. My wife communicated that to me as well, that she wanted more balance and less of the sole uh, decision-making responsibility. So I started learning about six uh, years ago, 
I actually started with Dave Ramsey too, which is funny enough. I think he just must own the SEO for people who are like, I need to get out of debt. And it's the first thing that pops up on Google. But yes, there is so much out there beyond Dave Ramsey. So if his voice is not one that resonates with you, which was the case with my wife and I, um, my wife definitely did not like Dave's voice or his message. So we went and found other sources and realized that financial independence was this huge world out there that could really unlock a lot of doors and make a lot of our dreams very possible within one generation. It's not something that you have to be born into a wealthy family to be able to do all these things. So I became very passionate about teaching others what I was learning. Uh, I started with my own classroom and then I helped choose a five foundation, develop a pre-K through 12 personal finance curriculum that's free to use. And then the next step was my son was born and I was like, okay, this is going to be a, not quite an experiment, but we know that kids can start learning about money from a young age. The research says actually as young as three, kids can start developing just basic understandings of financial concepts. So like at his age, for example, like he understands when we go into a store, you have to trade either money or a swipe of your credit card to get whatever it is you want. You can't just walk in, walk out with whatever you want. Um, or that we have a plan when we go in there, there is a, a intentional budget as to what we're doing. He doesn't understand the financial side, doesn't understand cost yet. He couldn't tell you the value of a dollar, but he's starting to recognize the different things. And that's where we start. And there was nothing at that age range for like, in terms of books, like he loves to read, he loves books, our house is full of books. And there wasn't really much there for like a three-year-old to learn about just money. And in the same way we learn about being nice to others, um, sharing, like all the things that you'll find in kids' books, there just wasn't a here's how you introduce money to kids. So I was very motivated to, to make that happen. So if we talk about you know business or entrepreneurship, there was a gap in the market. And I wanted to fill that with something that I thought would be a, a solution to problem for parents. Um, so I created an ABC of money book that introduces like three to eight year olds to age appropriate money words, and then helps normalize conversations about money. So I wanted something that would introduce words, help them become part of kids' everyday vocabulary, it would encourage adult readers and kid readers to talk about money. So there's like prompt questions within there that makes very safe conversations for kids and adults to have. And then I wanted kids to see positive role models for money in their books. So the book has 60 different characters in it that all look very different, have different abilities, have different family structures. And I wanted every kid, at least as many as possible, to be able to find at least one character in there that they could identify with and say, look, here's somebody that I can see myself in who is using money in a positive and responsible way. And maybe I can do that too. Well, I, I love that. And it just makes me think of as a high school teacher, I have been in my financial literacy classes but this past year. I read a children's book geared towards financial to my students. And I always, I always come up, come out uh, when class starts. I'm like, all right, when was the last time somebody read you a story? Not, not just a textbook. We're not reading from and reciting or anything like that. But when was the last time somebody read you a story? And all of them are like, oh, seven, three, or unfortunately, I've had some say never. And I'm like, well, I'm going to read you a, a children's story. And it was Pat Segadelli who was on the podcast uh, earlier this year. Uh, he's He created a children's book just like you did, um, Geo in Banks, and it's scarcities, trade-offs, and choices. And I read that story to them 
And because that's usually the beginning of the unit talking about scarcity uh, and talking about those vocab words and the kids, they, <laughs> yes, 16, 17 and 18 year olds, but they love it. And I think with M is for money, I think that would be the same thing, which I'm looking forward to, to getting my hands on and being able to read that same story to my students in the future. Oh, I think there's so much to learn from kids' books, particularly when you go back with an adult or a teenage mind and look at them. Like some examples that come to mind are like the goose that laid the golden egg, talking about the fisherman and the businessman, Jack and the Beanstalk. Like those are ones that if you approach that with an adult mind now and you're like, what are the morals in here and how does it apply to finances? There's some really cool conversations that can actually come from those. But yeah, I love that idea. And I've seen some wonderful examples where then the teenagers will go down into lower elementary school classes and share the story with them and do some activities with them and kind of share what they've learned about money through that story as well. So yeah, there's, there's so many great things that we can do with teens and kids books as well. Oh, absolutely. So I have to ask, what do you have an outrageous outcome for your book? Um, when I created the book, I was like, if this sells hundred copies, I will be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> if this helps one parent help their child learn about money, I will be ecstatic. And um, I ran a Kickstarter for it back in July of 2021. And I was like, okay, I need to raise about 7,000 to cover the illustrator, the printing, and just kind of distributing the book to whoever buys it. If I can make 7,000, that will be insane. And I've covered all my costs. This is great. And I actually ended up raising close to 14,000. So I had more than, or almost double what I asked for. And we had, let's see, 650 books total sold and 300 of those were earmarked for donations. So people like bought one for themselves and they bought one to donate to a library or a school. So that's become like another side goal is like, I want to get these books into as many schools and libraries as possible. I want to find banks and credit unions who are going to give these books out to their custodial account holders so that they can also learn about money as they open these new accounts and start to kind of explore the financial world. So there's, there's no like outrageous goal though. I'm like, I'm not saying like, I want to ever be like a New York times bestseller or number one on Amazon or anything like that. It's just, I'm, I'm already exceeding what I wanted to do with this book. So I'm just enjoying every moment of the ride. Uh, well, you just make me think of when I took my nine-year-old in to open up his his bank account at our local credit union. Oh my gosh, that would have been fantastic if they would have given him that book. That would have been so sweet, especially for, for our youth <laughs> to get them, I don't know, familiar with a certain terminology and everything at that young age. Yeah. I first heard about it from a friend who um, took her probably two-year-old son at the time to a local bank. They opened a checking account for him, a junior saver checking account, whatever it was. And they got like a little goodie bag from the bank for like the custodial account holder. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I started approaching my local banks and credit unions. And three of them have signed up already to pick up copies of the book and give it out to the kids as they sign up for accounts. I'm like, yes, this is, this is what we want to do. So if you have a local credit union, local bank, um, you know, somebody in one of those positions that maybe would be interested in this, please share that. M is for money or another children's book out there that talks about money. No, I love that. And I definitely will. I know a few people that work within our local credit unions here in my county. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. So how are you inspiring secondary teachers to incorporate M is for money projects when it is designed for a younger audience? So it's kind of like we talked about already with the um, kids books being a great inspiration for a conversation with teens. Like a teacher could bring a copy in and like you did read it to their students 
ask them questions about, you know, what are we seeing here? What are you, what do you feel about the story that's portrayed or how would you answer the question that's prompted? Because really the questions are designed that adults and kids can have conversations back and forth with each other about it. So the adult shares their experience and then they ask the kid what they think. I mean, our teens are either going to already have experiences or still won't have them yet and can still answer those questions. So I, I do feel like it's a great one that you can just bring into a class, maybe during a month like April, where you're like, I'm going to do a financial literacy month activity. I need something to do for one day. Maybe it is bringing in this book and letting that steer your conversation for an entire class period. Some of the other stuff I've seen are, again, family consumer science teachers, um, personal finance teachers, business teachers who are talking to their students about this and then going and saying, we're going to use this as a basis to help others. So we're going to go into an elementary school classroom. We're going to read them the book. We're going to do some of the free activities that go with it. So if you are looking for some activities to do with your kids at home or your students, I've got a ton of them at mismoneybook.com that are free to download. Um, I'm also running a competition this month, for example, where I'm having kids decorate a squirrel money saving box. So it's just basically a milk carton shaped um, paper box that has a coin slot in it. And I want kids to decorate it in whatever crazy fun way they, they want to. And then they submit pictures of it. And I've got like $10 and $5 um, Amazon gift card prizes for um, the winning um, boxes in each grade. And just something that's fun that I want to encourage kids to think about saving. So if you've gone to all this trouble of designing, creating, and decorating this little money box, maybe you'll actually use it and you'll start saving. You'll be like, I want to put some coins here. I want to fill this thing up. Let me get some notes in here too. And for the first time, they might actually start saving and holding on to the money instead of spending it. Or they'll start looking to earn some money. So it's like, I want to put some money in this thing, but I don't got any. So what do I do? Well, you just, you make me think of, uh, so she's a personal friend of mine. She's been on the podcast a couple of times, but uh, Elena Tharp, who's out of Ohio, she's big into FCCLA. And, uh, but she, she came across your stuff and she, in one of her classes, I saw she posted um, doing a squirrel project. Mm -hmm. with her students. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Do you have, do you know anything more on that project? Yeah. So Elena's um, students took their, her class down to a second grade um, elementary school. So I guess their buildings are either very close or they're all connected. So they were able to just walk to the second grade class. They read the book. Um, then the students broke up into smaller kind of workshop groups and they did like a word search puzzle. They did a matching game. So they did a couple of different themed games around money. And just gave the second graders like a money experience. And um, I think that was part, also part of an FCC LA project, which I believe won a state level like gold or a regional level one, but it went pretty far. So I was so like proud and excited to see that. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I bet you as the author who maybe you had no idea that it was going to go in that direction, but it is, I'm, I'm sure you feel so proud <laughs> of all the, the amazing things that people are turning this into. So that that's really exciting. Oh my gosh. Yes. Like it's totally beyond what I thought was going to happen. So I'm so excited and very honored, I guess that someone would pick it up and be like, Oh, this would be great to share with others. I think that's such a, a compliment and testament to the book. Absolutely. So are there any other money projects or anything that are great high school activities? So in terms of money projects, I'm always churning out new things. So if you keep an eye on my newsletter or msformoneybook.com, like you'll see the new stuff as it comes out. I have a teacher's pay teacher store where I'm always putting up different activities around personal finance that you can use in the classroom. So I have a really nice um, income tax bracket visualization activity that's 
perfect for right now because we're in tax season and we're approaching April 15th as we record this. I've got a personal finance and entrepreneurship course that I run you know, during the summers as a group thing. So it's called The Simple Startup. And that's for 10 to 18 year olds who are looking to start their first business. So I help guide kids through actually starting their first business, earning some money, um, being profitable, and then growing the business based on customer feedback. Um, if you're interested in that, that's at thesimplestartup.com. Uh, well, we'll definitely be putting that plug into all of the social media and for the transcription notes and everything. So thesimplestartup.com and your Teachers Pay Teachers account. So would they find you just at like Rob Phelan on Teachers Pay Teachers or Emma's for Money or what is the, what is your call sign? Uh, on Teachers Pay Teachers, it's Phi Educator, F-I Educator. And then The Simple Startup is its own website. So thesimplestartup.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Rob, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me on this fun conversation, talking about financial literacy for April, but also Emma's for money. I think it's I think it's great that you created this book and I'm excited to be able to get my hands on it and read it to my students. Thank you so much. And if you're someone listening and you've got a book inside of you, like it's, it's not as scary a process as you might think to get it out there. And if you ever want to ask questions about it, feel free to reach out. Perfect. Well, again, we'll have all of the transcription notes and website email addresses available on connectfcsed.com. So thanks again. Thank you. We're better together, my friends. And let's continue leading student success with FCS. Barbara Scully from the Connect FCS Ed podcast presents a fresh take on recruitment and support for today's modern home economics educators in the family and consumer sciences. FCS Classroom, sharing insightful stories, strategies, and resources in a fun and sustainable and practical way. Each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. From community engagement, leadership, classroom management, to lessons and more, each episode brings a different perspective, offering expert professional development, interviews from a collaborative worldwide FCS community with the hope that it will inspire and empower you to make informed decisions. Together, we are better at leading the way to student success with FCS.